0: Thank you so much, yes. Um, As he said, that's my husband, Corey. (laughs) My name's Mackenzie. I am Pastor Otis' oldest daughter, um, and I am the worship pastor here at Calvary. I get the honor of serving you in this department, and what better way to end out the month of February on the emphasis of worship than that I get to bring you a special word I am so honored and thrilled to share this with you. Obviously, if you come to this church and you see me up here on the stage, you know I live and breathe to worship Jesus. That is who I am. Um, And you know, I got to share a little bit about my testimony a few weeks ago up here on this stage. And just that scripture from what Pastor Corey preached about the woman with the alabaster box. Those who were forgiven of much, they love much. <laughs> and let me tell you, I was forgiven of much, and I'm still being forgiven of much. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Um, and so that is what, the heart of who I am. Uh, I live and breathe to worship Jesus. So here I am today, this morning. I have the honor of bringing this word to you. Uh, Some of you have watched me literally grow up, because I've been here since I was like literally two years old, okay? My parents moved here a long time ago, and this has been my family for my whole life, all that I can remember. So, um, (laughs) it just means a whole lot whenever I get the opportunity to speak to my, my family here today. So, that's a little bit about who I am, and I'm so, so excited to share this word with you today. So, Um, Turn with me to Acts chapter 16. Today, I want to share with you a word titled, Praise in the Midnight Hour. And I'm so thankful Pastor Larry touched on this last week, but I want to dive a little bit deeper today on this passage and a little bit about how the Lord spoke to me through these these verses. So we're going to start in verse 16 and go till verse 34, if you're reading along. And just so my dad knows, we're in the NKJV, okay? His favorite, just for him. All right, here we go. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying... These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, I like that part, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. Anybody else been annoyed by a spirit and just cast that sucker out? Jesus' name. And he came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into a prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, this is the part some of you have probably heard before, and this is my favorite part. Verse 25 says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed, And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. You and your household. Can I get an amen in Jesus' name? Thank you, Lord. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them to the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before before them, And he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, today I want to talk a little bit about this passage. Paul and Silas's, let's back up a little bit. Their condition in the prison was as a result of their obedience to God. They're not like Jonah, where he heard God speak to them and they were going the opposite way. Okay? Okay. They were following Jesus's command to cast out demons. Jesus literally commands his disciples in Matthew 10, 8, when he sent them out and he said, do all these things and and included in that list is to cast out demons. And Paul and Silas are walking in that obedience and it gets them put in a prison, not just put in a prison, but beaten and locked in the inner prison. I love this part. Verse 25 in the Passion Translation says, Paul and Silas undaunted prayed in the middle of the night and sang songs of praise to God while all the other prisoners listened to their worship. Come on, that word undaunted means not intimidated or discouraged by difficulty, danger, or disappointment. That's a powerful place to be. That's a spirit-led place. To be undaunted, to be undisappointed by the circumstance. This is the power of pure praise in action. They didn't get discouraged, they worshiped. They lifted up undaunted praise and prayers, sitting bruised, bloodied, and chained in a prison. I believe there's a message from this passage today that says, silence will keep you in a faithless prison. But if you undauntedly lift up that praise in the prison, I'm thankful we don't really have to worry about being beaten and thrown in a prison yet. (laughs) Right now we're living in grace in a country that lets us believe in Jesus and speak Jesus and gather together and worship him. But I know that we have found ourselves in our own prisons. And today, we're not going to be silent anymore. Paul explains his undaunted attitude in 2 Timothy 1.12. Now, this is referring to a different time Paul was in prison. He found himself there a couple times you read your Bible. That is why I am suffering here in prison, but I am not ashamed of it. For I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Paul had confidence in God. What a confidence. That word confidence in Latin means with faith. Faith in God's goodness fueled Paul and Silas's prayers and praise. So today I want to go a little bit deeper in what happens when we praise in the midnight. I know that in church you might have heard that phrase a couple times. You've probably heard this passage before. Lift up your praise in the midnight. But today I want to break that down a little more and explain what happens when you actually do not just in your heart and in your mind, believing that he will come through for you in the midnight, but lifting up the prayers and praise when you're in the prison, bloodied and beaten by circumstance. Will you choose to worship? Come on, let's talk about this a little bit. What happens when we praise in the midnight hour? Number one, God responds with freedom. When God responded to their worship, it shook the foundation of the bondage of that was the prison. I love those little extra words that God puts in the scripture. He didn't just shake the prison, but the foundation of the prison. It's important that we read deeper, we think deeper, we pray more into what the word is saying and not just skip over these details. Their prayer and worship opened every door and loosed every chain, the Bible says, immediately. And today I want to tell you a little story of when I praised and prayed in the midnight hour and God responded with freedom. So if you guys don't know this, most of you do, but if you don't know, I am a mother of two I have a three-year-old daughter, Harvest, and I have a one-year-old son named Arrow. And I want to tell you a little bit of a story about this was about a month before Arrow was to be born. So with Harvest, I had a little bit of a rough time um, with her at the end of my pregnancy and had to have a C-section. We were worried about her. There were all kinds of things that were going on. Very shocking and hard to process in the moment. and took months to process after, okay? Um, and so when I got pregnant with my son, Arrow, I was believing that I wouldn't have to have another C-section again. I was believing for the Lord to completely change that scenario, that I would have like a redemptive birth that would just, you know, wipe away everything that happened before. I didn't want to go through that again. So the whole pregnancy, I'm praying, I'm believing, I'm declaring over myself everything I knew what to do, and a month before he's to be born, both my children did this to me, so you know, it's just, yeah, Uh, he turned breech, which means his head was up instead of down, and Basically, my doctors were like, we're so sorry, but the, the odds of you having two breech babies in a row and it not being an act of God is pretty rare. And she said this line to me. She said, I don't want to play God and try and intervene in this. And that really just stuck out to me. I was like, okay, you're right. I don't want to play God either. So I ended up having to have a second c-section with him but that night that I after I had gotten the news I was so disappointed and just like brokenhearted if I'm being honest with you guys um I was scared of what was about to happen I didn't know if it was going to be as bad as before or if it was going to be different I was definitely struggling there and that night it's kind of, it's not a coincidence, it's the Lord, because he knows me, he knows how to speak to me. Um, That night on YouTube, it came out that Bethel had done a cover of the song Firm Foundation. Anybody know that song? I love that song. Me and my mama love that song. Um, And Jen Jen Johnson was the one that was singing, it. she is like a super influential worship leader in my life, has been for a long time. So, I just went to my room that night and I just turned this worship on in that place of really being afraid and unsure of the future and just praying for peace and for the will of the Lord to occur in my life. And so I hit my knees and I just began to worship. I didn't come with him to him with all my questions, with all of my heartache and disappointment, I just simply began to worship. And that song declares over and over again, he won't fail. And those words pierced my heart that night. And it goes on to say, the rain came and the wind blew, but my house was built on you. And it says, I'm safe with you, which I was worried about, Am I safe? I don't know. I'm safe with you, and I'm going to make it through. I'm going to make it through because my house is built on you. It's not built on circumstance. It's not built on medical issues or medical health. It's not built on anything else. It's built on you. And in that moment of worship, lifting up that worship, and I was allowing myself to be broken before the Lord, crying, tears down my face, singing this song before the Lord. And in that moment, God shook the foundation of the prison of fear I was in. And he loosed the chains of disappointment Anybody else ever been in a prison of fear, chained by disappointment? Every chain that binds itself to us is a a result of something that's happened in the past. So that that circumstance, that heartbreak, that 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 traumatic experience that the Lord had a hand in, but I was so shocked by and hurt by, that had chained disappointment to me. But it was in this moment of praising in the midnight hour. He was going to be born not even a month later. This was the midnight hour for me. But I lifted up that praise and he came in with freedom. That freedom was better than any physical miracle that I was crying out for or believing for. That was a deeper freedom. Because now regardless of what happens my house is built on you. Regardless of what happens, I'm not living in the prison of fear, chained to disappointment anymore. I'm walking in freedom. When I began to worship, God broke that foundation of fear and loosed the chains of disappointment. Every chain was broken. He set me free from my past experience and I was able to walk through the circumstance with supernatural peace and trust in God. When we praise in the midnight hour, he responds with freedom. The second point I have today is when we praise in the midnight hour, he uses our faith and devotion as a witness. The scripture says the prisoners were listening to them. The prisoners were listening to them as they prayed and sang songs and hymns to the Lord. And then it says, all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Not just Paul and Silas, the innocent followers of Jesus. This is a prison where criminals are locked away. And God shook the foundation and set those captives free as well, not just Paul and Silas. And the keeper of the prison was saved and his whole household. And then they were baptized through this intervention that God came in and set these people free. He used their trust and devotion to God as a witness for him to get all of the glory. Paul and Silas' hearts of worship to the Lord freed more than just themselves, but all around them. And I was praying to the Lord, like, I I want a parallel, Lord. Speak to me a parallel of when this happened another time in your word. And you came in and you rescued one of your servants, and it was a witness to all around them. And there's so many in the Bible, like Daniel in the lion's den, okay? Daniel gets put in the lion's den for obedience to pray. And then God saves him. Sends his angels to close the mouth of the lion. And the king sees this and says, oh, truly your God is the real God. That was a witness. But today, specifically, I want to talk to you guys about this story that's also in Daniel, but in chapter three, about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm sure most of you have heard this story. But if you haven't, I'm going to tell it to you. So basically, this pagan king King Nebuchadnezzar puts up a gold idol and commands that everyone bow down and worship this idol. It's really crazy because he says, once the music starts, bow down. It's a direct counterfeit. It's a counterfeit worship. What the enemy is trying to take from, from you, from us, from the people in this story. And so... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refuse. They refuse to bow down and worship this idol. So I'll read this to you. Verses 16 through 18 says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, We want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. I love his boldness. Then, because of their obedience to God, they were thrown in a fiery furnace. And the Bible says that King Nebuchadnezzar turned it seven times hotter than it usually is. He was an extreme guy. We're going to read more about that later. But he was like, okay, fine. You've made your decision. You're going in the fiery furnace. And some of you know, because maybe some of you have watched VeggieTales, (laughs) like I have. Yeah, let's not praise the bunny, okay? Let's just not. Okay, but in verses 24 through 29, this is the this is the spoiler alert, ready? Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the son of God. This pagan king got a revelation. He saw him for himself. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. And the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together. And they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. Their ha- the hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut into pieces, extreme, and their houses shall be made an ash heap, burning it up, because there is no other God who can deliver like this. Their obedience to God turned into such a witness because God responded to their obedience outside of their mind obedience because they said, Nebuchadnezzar, we're not bowing because the God we trust is going to rescue us from your hand. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow. That is fearless faith. That is fearless trust in God. They saw the furnace. They knew what was about to happen, that they were going to have to walk through the fire. But someone like the Son of Man was in the midst of the fire with them. Their garments were not burned. Their hair was not singed, and they didn't even smell like fire. Wouldn't it be such a miracle for people to look at your life and watch you walk through trials, but when you are out of it, you don't even smell like fire. You don't have resentment in your heart and bitterness in your heart towards God because he walked with you through the fire. This is important. God used their faith, trust, and devotion to God As a witness to the king and a nation, they refused to bow to an idol. And as a result, the nation feared the Lord. The nation. When we say this all the time, there is power behind your yes. There is a power behind a heart that says, I am fully devoted to my king. I'm devoted to worshiping you and only you. Both of these patch- passages speak of men who had hearts of worship and devotion to the Lord. The Lord is longing for sincere worshipers. Do you know that's why he made us? Because he longs for sincere worship and communion. This pastor we watched a sermon together as a staff he said it this way God made himself weak so that he, he could receive something from us he made himself that way he didn't have to he made himself have a desire for worship and our one response is to give it all that's the verse of this year John 4:24 And today I want to read it to you in the passion translation. It says, "From now on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers who adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth." Lord, I don't know about you, but I want to be a sincere worshiper. I want to fulfill that desire of his heart. I don't want to be someone who worships God for what he can do for me, but for who he is. You know, Paul and Silas didn't think to themselves, oh, hey, Silas, let's pray and worship so we can get out of here. It wasn't a a manner of manipulating God. They had hearts after God. That's the only way they could have had undaunted faith because they were full of his spirit. They were worshipers who worshiped in spirit and in truth. And that's what brought the breakthrough. That sincere worship. I don't wanna be like the prodigal son who wants the benefits without the relationship. I don't wanna be a worshiper that wants the benefits of who God is and what he does without the relationship. And that's what he's calling us to today, Calvary. To be a worshiper that adores him because he's faithful, because he's trustworthy, he's loving, He's holy, he's good, and worthy of it all. My prayer today, Calvary, is that we would all say yes to being sincere worshipers. And we can see in his word that we will be faced with opportunities that we're gonna have to choose either to worship or to complain to worship or to look around and just point out what's going on around us and not speak God's will over it or cry out to God for him to intervene. We're going to have positions where people are going to say, bow, or you're going to be thrown into the fire. You're going to have an opportunity to bow to an idol. But can we say yes? So even if he doesn't save us from the situation, we will not bow. This assurance in our heart, no matter what comes, we will be worshipers in spirit and in truth. This year he's weaving that into our DNA of who we are. It may be outside of your nature to be that person that lifts your voice or lifts your hands like Pastor Larry was talking about last week, all the different ways we can praise him and worship him. But that's his mission this year, to make us those worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. And as a worship leader, it's one of my favorite things when I take my little in-ear monitors out and I can hear this room lifting up their worship. Right before I took this position as the worship pastor, the Lord gave me a vision and it was of waves crashing off of, this, off of the stage onto the people and then the tide shifted and the waves, kept coming from the people onto the stage. And I believe that was a prophetic picture. That this house is called to be worshipers that bring in the tide of the move of his spirit. You don't have to be begged to lift your hands and lift your voice. This is not what this house does. I'm a living witness of it. Because every week I get to hear the song of the redeemed. It's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I'm so thankful that the Lord is pulling us in this direction to grow more and more in this area.